seated. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Job. The book of Job this morning. I was thinking about who would be a good example of a father uh, in the Bible. Of course, there are many, many good examples of, of men of God and men that have worked and, and worshipped and loved God and were good examples to us. And not only to uh, the men, but also to the ladies uh, that are, are part of the church. As we think about the family, uh, we think about Adam and Eve. God created Adam and Eve. Um, God first created Adam, and then, Adam, then he created Eve from Adam and uh, brought them together as husband and wife. That's the family, and that's the, that's the Bible way. That's God's way, and, and uh, that is the, the true definition of the family. In the state of California today, they've actually removed um, a father and mother from the, the actual books, the law, so you wouldn't, you wouldn't find that on any place, any, anywhere written down, uh, a father or a mother, a husband or a wife. It's just general. It's a generic. But uh, we know this, that it's not generic. God created man and woman. Amen? And both have their roles in this world. And uh, both are, are of God. And so... We, we know and understand that um, through the Word of God. And we are to be salt and light. Um, as Christians, that's our job. Salt preserves things. That's what they used back in the Bible. When, God, when Jesus was talking about salt and light, salt was the thing that they used to preserve meat, preserve food. They would put salt on it. But when it had lost its savor and it was no longer working to preserve, it was cast out on the path. They would, just, they would throw it out on the path and, and uh, would be trodden underfoot because it was no longer worth uh, doing what it was supposed to do. And so we don't want to become that way. We want to be uh, and continue to impact our world and not lose that salt and light uh, in this world. And so when we think about Job... The book of Job was the oldest book in the Bible, and uh, Job was a man, the Bible says, in the, from the land of Uz, whose, whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright, and, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. That doesn't mean that he was a perfect person, that he never sinned, but it does mean that he, he would strive to do exactly or the best of his ability, what God had given to do and, and by way of his family, by way of his riches, by way of his living in this world, and he was upright. One that feared God. He had a reverence for God. I think for a man in a, in a, in a relationship, a father relationship, you want to teach a reverence for God. And uh, he had a reverence for God, and he eschewed evil. He hated evil. Um, and so uh, when we, we live in a world where there's a lot of evil, now we don't hate people. We never hate people. We hate the evil that the people do. Um, we're not here to hate people. There's nobody that I hate. Now, I hate what some people do. I hate the things that, uh, that Hitler did. When I watch that, I just I hate that. You know, and uh, it's very easy to hate the man, hate the person. And, uh, um, and maybe that's a bad example because we all hate him. <laughs> no. And, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, by the way, to do that is a, is a hard thing. You know, all of us have to um, be careful about that. I cannot let hate fill my heart because I'm to love people. You understand? The longer we live and the more people, you know, do things and, and uh, we, see, we see the evil of the world, we can, be, we can become, as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, as the one to bring the light of the gospel, we can become so dismayed that we lose our light. We can become so dis, 
disgruntled with the world and disenchanted with the world that, uh, that we lose our love for people. And, uh, and we're living in a day where it's, you know, we see everything. We see all the evil happening all around the world through television, through the social networks. We know what's happening. And so we have to keep our hearts right. But he eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen and 500 she-asses and a very great household. I mean, he just had it all. So that he was one of the greatest of all men in the East. And his sons went and feasted in their houses and went uh, every one his day. That was their birthday, the special days. And sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so that uh, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sacrificed, uh, sacrificed them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Let's pray. Father, bless now your word. Thank you for each dad that's here, and Lord, each person that's here. God, thank you for allowing us to, to know you and, and giving us salvation. And then we're in church today. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for the privilege of being here, looking into your word and knowing you now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So the Bible says here that Job offered sacrifice. Now, he could not offer sacrifice to take away the sins of his children. But he, could co- he was doing it to cover them. He was doing it as an example to them to lead them to a place of, in a relationship with God. Now, the Bible doesn't say here whether they really were, were people that uh, loved God and that followed God. But it certainly says that Job sought for their spiritual well-being. And so as adults, we seek for the spiritual well-being of those that follow us. And uh, I was talking to Brother Jerry this morning. Brother Jerry uh, um, married Esther, and uh, I did their, their, that was the first wedding I did uh, back here 18 years ago when I became the pastor here. Jerry and Esther, I'll, I'll never forget it, because Esther got tickled. She laughed. And... Um, and so we were doing the vows up here. I mean, this place was full of people. The Libby family had people that they knew all over California, Mexico. I mean, this place was packed. And I couldn't get, I couldn't get Esther to say, I was trying to get her to repeat the vows. And I said, you know, Esther, do you take this man to be your life and let her husband to have and to hold from this day forward? And she was just laughing. So I said it again. Esther, do you take this man to be your lawfully wedded husband, to have and to hold through sickness and health as long as you both shall live. And she's just laughing. So finally, Donald, who's the best man, says, she does. <laughs> and uh, years later, years later, I said, I, I got bad news for you guys. I don't know if it was on your 10th anniversary. Donald was actually married to Jerry because he's the one that answered that. And legally, I had to put that on the document, and Esther's just looking at me. You wouldn't. I said, well, you laugh the whole time. And, uh, but they never had any children. They were older. And, uh, but they have children in the Lord. They're soul winners. They've led hundreds of people to Christ. And uh, they have family, you know, and, and so in that way. And so what we get to do is, as Christians, as fathers, and as mothers and Christian people, as salt and light, we get, to, we get to share the gospel. We get to share the love of Christ. We get to share that hope when there is no hope. And uh, we get to share that there's help when we feel like there's just no help. You know, perfect and upright, one that feared God and eschewed evil and uh, offered sacrifice um, for the children. And uh, turn with me in your Bibles over to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. We think about elders. We think about those in leadership. 
We have deacons here, but uh, you know everybody that's older and a part of has been mature. You're the elders, and here it's referring to pastors. But I I, I like to think that all of us have a responsibility, uh, beginning at the church in the church and then in our homes. The the Bible says here the elders which are among you exhort, whom also. Well, I'm also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. So he's seen it. And also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. And he says this, feed the flock. Of course, that's, that I see that as being for the pastor or the elder of the church. But also I see that for the, for the family. Dad, you're to feed the flock. You're to help the flock. You're to help. You have a flock and that's your family. You have people that you teach. And, uh, and so uh, when you talk about salt and light, it needs to start with your kids. They need to see it in you. They need to see Jesus in us. And I've got texts. Uh, Joanna's in Michigan. I got a text from her this morning. Amanda goes to a church in L.A. She's got a foster, she works with foster children in her church. So they have a camp this weekend and all their kids... They have all these foster children that they've, they've taken to camp this weekend. And I was with Tara this, on Friday. Tara's working today. She's a nurse. Um, but my, kid, my job was to see, let them see the light of the gospel. My job was to let them see me serve others, serve their mother, serve the family. And so that's what I, that was my first ministry as an elder or as a pastor or really as a father, a Christian, um, let them just see my heart for people, my heart to help people and to share the good news of the gospel. Feed the flock of God, which is among you, and, and taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, you know, well, I have to do this, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. In other words, again, that's talking about a pastor or somebody in leadership. We don't do this for the money. We do this for the opportunity to do it and, uh, and, and so on. But it also says, not by constraint. And again, I see that as doing something because you love it, because you love people. And you do it in your, with your family because you love your family. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. Again, you know, when you look at the Bible, there are qualifications to be a leader in the church, to be a pastor, a deacon, and so on. Or in, in our church, we have Sunday school teachers. We have leaders that help us in different areas. But we're to do the work. And we're to do it in such a way not as lords over God's people. And uh, raising your family. You need to raise your family right. You know I went to a funeral last, last Saturday. It was a funeral for my sister-in-law, Radine. And um, so they, they came to the testimony time. I was fine till that testimony time. I mean, I just poured tears the whole time. I couldn't stop crying. You know, just because people were sharing really what God had done for them. Now, Radine was an instrument. But, you know, one, one sister was at odds with her. And she wrote a letter, and she read that letter. I mean, it was moving. By the way, if you're at odds with people, get it right. Because they're going to die, or you're going to die. Just get it right. We're Christians. We're believers. And we're family. You understand? We're family here in, in this church and in the, in the people that have been a part of this church and God's people from other churches. We're God, listen, we're, we're family. And uh, uh, I, just, I just encourage you to do so, uh, to just make it as right as you can make it on your side because it's, listen, life is too short. And, uh, and so I met my daughter Angela gave a testimony. And she, this is what she said. My dad was so hard on us when we were kids. 
we would go to Aunt Radine's house to get some relief. She would, she would help let us do things my dad wouldn't let us do, you know. And uh, so I'm sitting there thinking, well, that's a blessing to hear at the funeral of a, everybody's there, you know. And, uh, but the truth is, I was hard, probably too hard. You know as a parent, by the time you get to the grandchildren, you just, you really know how to raise kids. And then you know what that is? Just let them do what they want. You know, there's, a, there's no use fighting with them. But, uh, but loving them. We don't do what we, well, you're going to do this. Well, I'm the boss of this house. There, there's no boss in the house. Well, it's your wife, but you know, it's, it's, there's no boss. We just do it together. We work together. It's a together thing. And, uh, and so I see it here neither being lords over God's heritage, but being in, in samples to the flock. Again, that's talking about leadership, but I think that also can be applied to the family. Moms and dads, you're, you're the example. You have a, you, that and you're, the most important people in your life are your family. There's nothing like family. Um, your family is there. After lunch last Sunday, I went to Pat Stevens, well, I went to Amy's house, and Pat was the pastor of the church for 30 years. Micah now pastors the church, and their whole family, after church Sunday morning, gets together at one of their houses. So they went to Amy's house. Well, there's, there's uh, six kids, five of them were there, and their spouses, and 25 grandchildren. I mean, we had a house full. <laughs> it was... You know, kids were playing outside, basketball, there's a trampoline in the yard, they're lifting weights in the garage, you know. We had like a whole workout, we had a day camp going, you know. And, uh, but you know what? Listen, by the grace of God, they're all believers in Jesus. And, uh, you know, it's just, my wife grew up, they lived in a little house on the thing called the slough. And it was a little white house. When they moved out, they demolished the house. The family, when they would get driven home, they wouldn't, they don't, don't drop me. They wouldn't tell you to drop you off at the house. They would drop you off at the neighbor's house because they were ashamed of their house. They didn't want anybody to know where they lived. But you know what? Somebody came by, knocked on their door of the cousin, and she got saved. And she invited all those kids to come to church. And they came on the bus. And they all, the whole family got saved. I'm talking about the whole family. They didn't have a Christian dad there. Dad was an alcoholic. And uh, he was mean. He was so mean. And uh, they, but you know where they found their love? At the church. That's where the people loved them. At the church. And so we have such a ministry here. We love, we, we, we love the people. You think about all the, the 400 kids that come to this school. There's, there's people that love them. Our teachers love kids. They don't do it for all the fame and the fortune and the, all the finances. They do it because they love children. We're talking about leadership. We're talking about loving. We're talking about impacting. What does a dad do? He impacts the next generation. They imitate Children imitate us. They imitate you, Mom. They imitate your spirit. And so, um, being in, in samples. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, Jesus, he shall receive a crown of glory, the victory crown that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. You see, being subject... You know, we have to teach children to be subject to the elder. And again, you've got, to you've got to teach them properly. You've got to teach them in love. And you've got to be consistent. You've got to be consistent. I was thinking about this and just the consistency of, of a family and being, the you know, and, and putting up, you know, the Bible says here that, that, there, was a, that, that there was a hedge round about Job's family. Satan said to, to God, well, why wouldn't Job follow you? You've put a hedge around about him. You protect him. 
You bless him. Look at how wealthy he is. Look at the beautiful family he has. You take away his family. You take away his wealth. Will he still follow you? And so, but there was a hedge. May I suggest unto you the hedge, the, the hedge are the rules and guidelines that you have. And then you pray for God's. See, God gives you wisdom to guide your family. And then those breaches in that protection, you know, you have, it's just like this. I'm, the Bible says that I'm in God's hands. I'm in the, I'm in the Savior's hands. I'm in God's hands. I'm, cl- I'm clothed with the righteousness of God. The Spirit of God sealed me. Nobody's ripping me out of God's hands. When I die, I'm going to heaven for sure. I have it for sure. Nobody can take that from me. And nobody can pull me from God's hands. And let me tell you, nothing can happen to you outside of God allowing it to happen. You're his child. He died for you. And so we see, we're to, we're to, we're to protect our children. We're to guide them and help them and love them. I remember my daughter, Angela, wanted to date a boy named Steve. He was in the youth group. We were up, just, just reminded me of it. And uh, he wanted to date her. And so I had a meeting with him after church on a Sunday night. And I was nervous. I'm meeting with this teenage boy to set parameters for him. So I sit him down there. And Steve, now when Steve got nervous, he stuttered. This boy was a handsome boy. I mean, he was handsome. Still handsome. But he stuttered when he got nervous. Well, you know what? When I sat down with him, I stuttered. I was nervous talking to him, and I'm the dad. And I said, Steve, let me tell you something. This is what I told him. This was horrible. I said this, Steve, I don't like you. I said, around my daughter, I said, if you want to, I see you're buying her gifts. That's because you want her to love you more than me, and I don't want that. She's not old enough yet to understand that. So if you want to buy her a gift, buy one for every girl in the youth group. You bring them all a flower. Here's a flower for you, flower for you, flower for you. You know, I told him, I said, I don't want you sneaking over my, he was sneaking over to my house, getting on top of the roof, going to the window and giving her stuff through the window. I said, not a good idea, Steve. You're going to fall off the roof and get hurt. And then I got to take you to the hospital. I found that out, you know. So, so I got done. He, he said, okay, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. And and I tell you, I finally started letting them date. You know what? After they were dating a little while, I liked him more than her. <laughs> I'd, say, I'd say, Angela, Steve and I are going out. You know, you can stay here at the house with your mother, and uh, we're going to go out and do something tonight. <laughs> you know, he was a nice kid. But I was just protecting her. You see what I'm saying? I, by the way, if you're going to set parameters... Don't wait until she falls in love with that hunk. It's too late after that. You understand? you got to say, you know what, honey, you're not going out on dates till this age, and so on. You set the parameters while they're young. And before they get to that place, well, it's too late. And, uh, you know, you have no rules and guidelines on that. Um, so just have wisdom and do it in love. Because, listen, because the great shepherd, listen, this church, Jesus is the great shepherd of this church. I'm the under-shepherd. And then we have under-shepherds to the under-shepherd. We have assistants. We have teachers. We have people. We have deacons. We have people. And we're watching out. We're responsible. But we need to do it, not as lords over, well, you know, you've got to do this and that. Because let me tell you something. When your children grow up, They have to obey you when they're small, but then they have to honor you when they get older. And if they're going to live for God, they're going to honor the things that you taught them as they get older. And uh, look to Him. And and look to the Lord. And you've taught them that by God's grace. Uh, And so we teach them at home, and then we teach them at the church. We teach them how to love. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder, yea, and all of you be subject one to another and be clothed in humility, with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. You want the grace of God? Be humble. 
Be humble. You know, the older you get, the more you need other people, the more you need God and others. The more you need the church. Well, I don't need the church. No, you need the church. You need these godly senior saints. Notice I said, you senior saints, and I'm not, you know. I'm looking to people that have done it. I'm following. So I'm the leader, but I'm a follower. I learn from people. I'm constantly learning. When I went to Seattle, that was like a learning experience for me. I talked to people. I asked people a lot of questions. Church pastors. Our family is full of pastors. That's what we do when at the funeral luncheon. There's pastors talking to pastors. What are you doing? What's going on? How are you doing? How are you helping? What's going on in your church? What are the things that you're doing that are helping people? Because we just want to help people. So you, you humbly learn. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. You'll be exalted in due time. It's God's timing in life. The whole, the whole idea of the family. You think about raising the kids. and You know, uh, my daughter Tara is single. God will exalt her in due time as she follows God. She'll get married. She'll get married. Amanda, the same thing. They've, both, they've all had boyfriends and different things. And, uh, you know, but the right one will come. The timing will be there. And they will know it. God will exalt in due time. So then, but you look at verse number 8. Well, verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Listen to me. Nobody cares for you like Jesus cares for you. In life, sometimes you feel like, well, nobody cares. By the way, that's what the arms of a father will show. But, you know, so many don't have the arms of a father. We have many fatherless you know, homes. And so mother are the arms. But if you, and so you have to be the arms of, your, of the love in your family. The church has to embrace people, not reject them. We have to love them as they come in and they get saved and they begin to grow and disciple them for the glory of God. He cares for you. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober. Be vigilant. I mean, you've got to be serious-minded. I know I cut up a lot, but let me tell you something. I, my mind is serious. My mind is thinking. My, I'm always focused on what I need to do and what my responsibilities are as a dad still, though my kids are grown, as a, as a, a, a father, as a, somebody looking for a wife, and somebody living for God, and somebody that's on a, a divine mission from God. And so are you. You're on a divine mission from God. God has a plan for you. God has a place for you. Be sober. Be vigilant. I mean, listen to me. Well, look what it says here. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may, he may devour. You see, the devil's going to and fro. Now, he can't be everywhere at once. So he uses different people. He uses the world. He uses the, the, the social network sometimes. and uses So we can use it for good, but it also can be used for evil. So we have to be serious, though. And we have to be vigilant. Be sober. Be vigilant. Listen, always be aware of what's going on around you. Protect your family. Pray for your family. Be on guard. And just watch. Look. And don't let your guard down. For your family. Your kids always need you. They need you to watch out for them. Now you've got to be, you know, you, you've got to, you know, with your children, you've got to brag on them some. You've got to be kind to them. You know, Job, the Bible says here, he offered sacrifice for them. Now, we can't offer sacrifice for our children, but we can pray for them. And we can be an example for them. Because there came a day in Job's life. The Bible says, 
back in, in Job chapter 1, verse 6, there was a day when, this, when the sons of God came to, to present themselves before the Lord. These are angels. And, and Satan came also with them. Satan's a fallen angel. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and, he, and said, From going to and fro on the earth and walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto him, uh, said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there's none like him in the earth, a perfect and, uh, and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? God says it. This is, this is Job. And Satan answered and said unto him, Look, doth, thou, doth Job fear God for naught? Does he respect you? Does he reverence you for naught? No. Hast thou not put a hedge round about his house and all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands. He's, he's the richest man in the east. And his substance is increased in the land. But put, put thine hand now, forth now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. Satan said, listen, if you, if you take this stuff away, he's going to curse you. And all of us, when things don't go the way we plan, we want in our life, that's what Satan wants us to do. Curse God. Question God. God, you're not good to me. What are you doing, God? That's not my, that's not my plan, God. I didn't want that to happen. And so we have to be ready for that. We have to be prepared. Because God's in control. He's the one that guides our lives. All of us are in God's hands. That's what the Bible teaches. God has a plan. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thine power. Only upon himself put forth not thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. And there was a day. Verse 13. There was a day. Now let me tell you something. That day is going to come in all of our lives. A day is going to come when we're going to be, our faith is going to be challenged. Our friendships, our family. We love our families. We love our friends. Our finances. The security we have. Listen, we're on the brink here of a recession. We could all lose everything. People have been saving money. They could lose it all. The stock market crashes. What if it happens? Are we going to get mad at God? Are we going to be mad at Him? And so we're instilling faith in our families. We're, instill, we're instilling a love for God and looking to Him. And there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them, and the Sabaeans came, fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I am the only one that escaped to tell thee. Wow. They killed them all. They killed the servants that were, that were taking care of them. And while he's yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants were, and, and consumed them. And I only am escaped to tell thee. So what's going on? While, while he was yet speaking, here they come. They're just the bad news is coming. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, the Chaldeans made out in three bands and, and, and fell upon the camels, and they were carried, carried them away, yea, and have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I, only I, escaped to tell thee, alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another. Thy sons and thy daughters were eating in the house and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house, and behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house and it fell upon the young men 
and they are all dead. Job, your whole family's dead. And I only escaped to tell thee. And Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell upon the ground and he worshiped. And he said, naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord, the Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He lost it all. His family, his finances. He gets the boils. The next, the next judgment's coming out. He gets the boils and he's, he's ill. He, he loses his health, his fitness. But he never, he never rejects God. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. He was an example to us all. He was an example as a father, taking care of those kids, and loving them. What do we see about Job? Well, he was, he was dedicated to God. He was completely dedicated to God. In verse 20 again, then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down and worshipped. He was dedicated to God, number one. Job 13, 15. The Bible says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Job said, though God slay me, I'll trust him. I will maintain mine own ways before him. There was nothing that was going to break his love for God. There was nothing that was going to keep him. He was totally dedicated to God. Isaiah 51 and verse 1. The scripture says, Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock from whence thou art hewn, and to the hole of the pit whence thou art digged. Look to God. Keep going. Keep living for Him. He was dedicated to God. Not only that, do we see His dedication, we see His dependence. He's dependent on the Lord. He says, The naked eye came out, out of my mother's womb, and the Lord gave, and the Lord, uh, uh, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God had given me everything I had, so He's taken it. And the truth is, church, God has given us everything we have. It all belongs to God. He gave you your job. He gave you your house. He gave you your car. He's given everything to you. He gave you your family. Every family member is a gift from God. That's what Job's saying. It's all from God. He looked to God. He was dedicated to him. He was dependent upon him. The Bible says, God's ways are not our ways. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. See, we depend upon God. We follow God. We look to God. Because his ways are not always our ways. And our ways are not always his ways. John chapter 15 and verse 5. Again, we have to trust him with everything. I'm the vine, ye are the branches. Without God, I have nothing. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. But with God, I can do all things. All things through Christ which strengthens me. By the grace of God. We can accomplish anything. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 talks about worry. We don't have to worry. Be careful for nothing. Don't worry about it. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Now listen, let me tell you, the way out of everything is thanksgiving. Grief, thanksgiving. When you grieve, your heart is broken and you've lost something. And you're grieving it. But wait a minute, you have a lot still. So the way to shake out of that moment of grief, and you have to do it all the time, depending on how long the grief lasts. Thank God. 
thank God for all that you have. You know, thank God for everything. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God. See, the peace comes from thanksgiving. The peace comes from knowing that God, man, you've been so good to me. When I was in Dubai and I thought I was going to die at age 65, I thought, you know what, God, I've had a good life. I'm so thankful for God for what you've given to me. And my goal was to make that doctor laugh one more time before I went. I said, I'm not, I'm not losing my sense of humor. I'm not stopping. I had them all auditioning for, for parts in the, for Hollywood scripts. You know, I, you, know you, you may make it. No, I, I just, I told them, you know, when I came into my room, they thought I was a Hollywood producer or something. You know, in Dubai, you couldn't talk to people about Jesus. That was the law. The law in Dubai is when if you get caught talking to somebody about Jesus and they complain, they'll, deport, they'll ship you out. They'll come and find you. They'll fine you 10,000 AEDs. It's just not quite, it's not $10,000, but it's a lot of money. And you leave. Either 30 days in jail, the fine, and then you get deported or they deport you right away. But you can't witness to anybody about Jesus in Dubai. It's the law. Putting that mask on, the, 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 the taxi driver, the Uber driver, put your mask on. If, if, you get, if I get caught having you in my car, it's a $10,000 fine for me. 10,000 AEDs. You've got to put that mask on. I mean, it's just, the rules there are very strict. They don't have very much crime in, in Dubai. You know why? Because you're just, there's, no, there's no court. There's no judge. The judges, you know, if, if, if an Emirati doesn't like you, that's it. You're shipped. And so you have to be careful. And so we, we kind of had to do the work of God that way. But let me tell you something. I had the peace of God that passed all understanding because I knew him. I was thankful to him. And I knew that, I, I, listen, I've been preaching all, all my life. Well, for 40 years. 40, 45 years. I've been a Christian 50 about heaven, about going there. So why am I afraid? Right? And the, so are you. Let me tell you something. When it comes down to a time when you're facing possi your possible mortality, God will give you a peace that passeth all understanding. He will. I've seen it. I've experienced it. And I know it. I'm thankful. And that's what you have to do. See, our hearts and minds are the things that cause us to fear. Well, I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. Well, what if this happens? What if that happens? Why not just forget about woulda and go get yourself a nice meal at La Casita today? Or McDonald's, wherever you like to go. Or Sizzler. Or I'm praying that they'll put an Outback Steakhouse in Banning one day. Just bring me the bread. Amen? Bring me the bread. Let's live for God. You see, you can, you can have the peace of God. You know what I try to give to people? Peace. You just look to God. I can't give it. I just tell you about Jesus. I tell you to trust Him. Shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You see, He was dependent upon God, and that's the right person to be dependent upon. Because God can take care. Then there was a determination. A determination. He wasn't going to quit. Chapter 2 and verse 8. And he took him a pot sort of to scrape himself with all. And he sat down among the ashes. Then he said to his wife. His wife said unto him. Dost thou still retain thy integrity? Curse God and die. So you know. Your wives sometimes can be discouraged. You know, we take up offenses for our wives, and we take up offenses for our husbands. We take up offenses for our children. Things don't go the right way for us. And so I don't blame Job's wife there for feeling that. You know, Job's wife lost 10 kids. 
the fact that she's not lighting him on fire. Is this your fault? You know, you got to be the big hero. You got to be the guy that lives for God. You got to be the guy that Satan tests, and I'm paying the penalty. She's paying it too. She lost everything. That nice house she had was gone. And so don't be too hard on her. By the way, that's the way it is in life. Don't be hard on people who don't grieve the same way you grieve. Somebody may get angry about something. You're not angry about it because you have this faith in God. So just love them and lead them. You can't. Listen, not everybody's at the same point in their life spiritually or and when something happens, bad. Some may be ready to quit. You just don't quit. You stay faithful. Help them through it. By the way, don't try to talk them through it. Just love them. And keep going for yourself for, for, for God. But he never stopped. His dependence, his determination was upon God. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. And so he, he says it to his wife lovingly, hey, listen, we got good and we got evil. And so that's the way it is. There was a determ determination. He looked to God. He followed God. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. God will take the bad and turn it to good in your life. He always does. He always will. And then there was a definite trust in God. He trusted in God. Blessed be the name of the Lord, verse 21. And verse 10 again. God's given good and bad, allowed bad. In all this, Job sinned not with his lips. He just trusted God. And that's, by the grace of God, the example for all of us. As dads, let's just do it. As parents, let's just do it. As church members, let's just do it. Let's follow the example of a man who lost it all. And went through a time. There was a year. Of, this the book of Job. That the, from the beginning to the end, all the events was one year. One year. Things don't always go the way we want. But you know what? God gave him another family. God gave him wealth back. He gave it all. You know, he got another wife. No, he didn't. That's not in the Bible. <laughs> He didn't get another wife. He kept the wife. And God has a plan for you. God has a plan for all of us. And so we just kind of set the pace. We got a whole group coming up behind us. Young people and, and just people excited about live life. And let's just keep pointing them. Let's just keep following Jesus ourselves. And let's be a good, good example. We're not perfect. Nobody in this room is perfect. But, but we all can do better. We all can get better. And by the grace of God, we can all finish our course and we can keep the faith. It's good to have these folks here visiting from Texas. Raise your hand there. The Maynards, is that the Maynards? They built this auditorium here. They, they, these folks were part of the church back then. And now they go to church in Texas. They're faithful people. They're still going. They moved to Texas. I told them, don't talk to anybody about Texas while you're here in the church. We didn't want anybody else moving. But, uh, but they're still living for God. Still going. Brother Jerry lost his wife. He's still going. Still going. Still following. And others of you, Yolanda, I see Yolanda and Jennifer here. They've had heartache. Listen, I go around the room. But listen, we'll all be together again one day. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see, when I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. He'll take me by the hand and lead me through that promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. Until then, enjoy today. Happy Father's Day to you, each one of you dads. 
and families. God bless you for being here. If you need Jesus, his arms are open. He loves you. Whether you're here in this auditorium or listening online, come to Jesus today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. God, most of all, of your example of love, for you gave it all for us. You gave your son. And Lord, all of our children are in your hands. You've blessed us. And so we pray a hedge of protection about them. Help us to be good leaders. Help us to be good examples for your glory. Holy Spirit, guide us now in all things. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Would you stand with me, please? As we sing this song of invitation, if you're here this morning, maybe listening online, say, Pastor, what do I do? You open your heart to Jesus. He's the author and finisher of our faith. How do you get saved? Call upon Him. You have to realize you're a sinner. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And there's a payment for sin. The wages of sin is death. We all have to die someday. And that word death talks about a place called hell, separating from God forever and ever. How awful. That makes our job as soul winners and salt and light so much more important. That's why Jesus came. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so we're here now to seek and to save that that's lost. If you're lost today and you just need Jesus, come and receive him and open your heart. But God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for people to open their heart to him. Open your heart to him today. How do I get saved, Pastor? Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I would be lost without you. I'm asking you now to come into my heart and be my Savior. If you'll pray that, he'll do it. He'll give you eternal life forever and ever and ever. As we sing this invitation song, you come, we'll have somebody show you from the Bible how you can receive Christ or receive him right there at your seat. As we